0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the 5 Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And Steve Cockrum. Now, you may or may not recognize that name, but he is the co-founder of Giant Worldwide. And... Oh, I'm going to ask him to explain what Giant is in, in just a little bit, but he's the co-author of the books Five Gears and Five Voices. Now, today we are going to be talking about Five Voices because, guys, you well know how obsessed we are with profiling people, personality, <laughs> yes, uh, assessments, and we sure so on are. and so forth. And he has a new one that we're both really intrigued by because... Um, Uh, people know uh, probably the way my brain works and um, I love to reverse engineer things and so uh, I took the five voices assessment and then the whole time I'm trying to reverse engineer especially once I got the results Um, so I can't (laughs) wait to talk to our, our guest today Steve why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself from a personal perspective and then also tell us what giant is because people May or may not know. I mean, most the of us. Giant. Yeah,
1: most of us have been affected or influenced yes. by what's come out of Giant. But, but we don't know. know.
2: We don't know what it is. Yeah. Yes, that, that 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 may be an issue with our marketing, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> the but uh, thank you for your kind words, Daniel Todd, and a uh, privilege to be here. I think, in terms of, uh, I've learned over the years that I'm meant to start as a human being before I move on to my. What I want to achieve. So, I've been married for 26 and a half years. We have three girls and a small puppy. Mm. Um, we've lived all over the world. My wife, I think, reminds me that in our 26 years of marriage, we've lived in 16 different homes. Wow. Uh, we lived in America for five years, in two years in Phoenix, Arizona, and Bless then three on the, in South Carolina, y'all, in a place <laughs> called Pawleys Island. So, uh, our family has a huge love of America. And in many ways, I would say I'm a American in exile in Britain with a British passport, I still come back for my dose of optimism and belief that the world really can be changed. So I have the most <laughs> diverse resume <laughs> anybody, I would guarantee the most diverse resume of anyone you ever have on your podcast. I've been everything from a high school teacher to a pastor to a nightclub owner to consultants to um, speakers, authors and Um, Giant was something that basically created with um, my my good friend and business partner, Jeremy Kuchek, six and a bit years ago. And I often say to people is that Giant really um, came about because both of us really came to the end of what we were doing at the same time. And we realized that the world was changing, that the digital revolution was radically changing work. And wherever work changes, leadership has to change. And that's really the space we're in at the moment. Some of you will think it's it's amazing that you were born at this opportunity. Others will you like, curses. This only happens every 250 years. Why did I have to be born leading um, in the midst of it? But the reality was we said, what are the challenges that leaders of the digital world are really trying to face versus what were the challenges of the late industrial age? And we're right mm-hmm. on that cusp at the moment. And of those five things, which I can wrap through if you want, how do you lead in a world that never turns off anymore? So, yeah. three hundred and sixty-five, twenty-four-seven work. How do you lead through influence more than positional power? Um, how do you learn to communicate in a world which is no longer all of a word-based, but is mm. visual, interactive, with immediate practical application? How do you lead? How do you build agile, collaborative teams because they're now far more valued, valuable than the talented individuals? Yeah. And lastly, how do you lead in a world which is digitally connected, but geographically dispersed. That's really So those were the five biggest challenges. And for the last six years, Jeremy and I and a whole group of people have been going, how do we retool leaders for the new world Um, while they continue to build a plane in the midst of a storm, which is what most of them feel like. So that is my best attempt to describe what Giant has done. And really the, the tools, the resources, some of the things I'll share today all come out of that I guess, felt in need of what people are telling us their challenges were. And we've we've worked really with everything from large government organizations to multinationals to churches to schools to basically wherever human beings are trying to address the new world and the challenges of leading in that, then basically we have a part to play. And the tools and resources we've developed um, really really seem to work incredibly well, maybe because they're so simple. And that's probably the thing that I would say Giant has done better than anyone else. Yeah. Winst- Churchill, one of the great heroes for many of us, said, "I'm really sorry I had to write you a long letter. I didn't have time to write a short one." Yes, for so, sure. Uh, so making things simple enough that children can use that seems to be one of the key criteria for the new world. If an educated 13-year-old could understand it, use it, and teach their friends, you have a chance of scaling what you're teaching. Anything else? So good probably too complicated. There you go, boys. That's, that's very that's good. My best very, very good. five minute nutshell giant. I, I will <laughs>
0: say, um, so he, he mentioned, I think before we got on the air that, uh, there was another book coming out, um, in a couple of days actually from the recording mm-hmm. of this and that's the hundred X leader. And so I would definitely say, uh, take a look at that, uh, book because it, it is in a nutshell, what he just described about, Building better leaders, high-performing teams, but you know, culture seems to be something that we're talking about uh, again and again. It almost seems cyclical that every thirteen mm-hmm. years we're going to talk about culture, and culture's <laughs> hot again. But um, yep. it, it is so massively important uh, in this day and age. And so, I, I just would encourage you to take a, a look at that. I um, look at that book. I think it's going to be a great business book for 2019. The 100x Leader. Okay, Daniel. Yeah. You want so, to ask the first question? Okay.
1: So, part of this was we took the five voices assessment. I'd seen it floating around here and there. And uh, I mean, we love assessments. Yes. Uh, I'm certified with StrengthsFinder, and I mean, Todd, you just know
0: everything else. <laughs> I just, uh, I just like messing with people's minds. Yeah. in the first five minutes. You're very fluent. Ago. Yes, <laughs> hey, you're an ENTJ, aren't you? Or you're a whatever. And they go,
1: what? "How did you know that?" Yeah, that's
0: just a parlor trick. Yeah.
1: So even here at Lifeway, one of the things that Todd and I do for all our, for our interns every summer is walk them through the assessments and emotional intelligence and, and all this. So when we saw this. And, and saw that we were going to be having Steve Cockerman who developed an assessment called The Five Voices. We were like, oh, okay, here, let's do this. Let's actually <laughs> talk about assessments. assessments, the nuts and bolts behind so we're it. We're going to nerd out today. And get his opinion on ones other than The Five Voices. So, so our first question, Steve, is, what is your favorite personality assessment other than Five Voices?
2: <laughs> That's just like asking me which is my favorite child. Yes. Um, I think... I think kind of the the one that I... I did two of them 16 years ago when somebody paid for me to do it, I think as a gift to my wife, um, as one of the least emotionally intelligent people you'd ever like to meet at the age of like early 30s. So Myers-Briggs is probably the one that I love most. It's probably the one that I've taken to the deepest uh, levels possible and Voices is written in the same source code. But if you really want to be slightly exotic, my other favorite is FiRo B which stands for fundamental interpersonal relational behaviors and orientations, which is probably why no one can remember it. But it was. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it might I thought liked, that
0: was one uh, of the Spice Girls. Actually, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were talking about baklava. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so, so I think the reason why I love that one was, in some ways, Myers Briggs allowed me to use humor to unlock people over time. Fire OB is just like lie on my couch and I'm about to do open heart surgery and you better get ready. So that one's kind of quite uh, amazing. It just looks at your basic sort of representational needs in relation to inclusion, control, and affection. Yeah. But I would say that that was the one that blew me away the most, but I decided in the end it wasn't easy to scale. So okay. Marsbricks okay. or firo that would be my other two favorites.
1: So is that kind of your baptism into assessments when you took those two and... I mean, what was your yeah. journey from there on forward, and your use of assessments?
2: So I think, as I said before, I think somebody paid me to go because I've always been a, a very, very good with money, and um, I think they did it because they just took pity on my poor wife, Helen. And it was one of those ones where um, just came out the back of the horrible collapse of a business I've been involved with, which you know in, in lost I don't know about one and a half million dollars of, of my church members' money. So you can imagine that was, uh, that, that was a joyous occasion in my early days. Mm. And I literally just made sense. It, it was like reading on every page a description of what I had been through and why I'd been through it. So I think it, it's like most of these things. If it connects with your experience and makes sense of it, you, you kind of learn. And I, I spent, I've really spent the last 16, 17 years apologizing to all the people that I've offended, um, belittled, used my cutting humor to destroy and largely my wife who's worked so differently to me and realized that actually fighting and arguing uh, may be my chosen sport, but for her is really not that helpful. So that was, that was my introduction and really the last 16 years have been saying, gosh, I wish somebody had taught me this earlier. It mm. would have been incredibly valuable. Uh, not to have blown people up in the way I did or even to assume that silence was agreement in team meetings they're just some of the highlights of my particular uh, weakness and fallibility that came out through that process
0: okay so I'm gonna uh, make a statement before I move into our next question because if I just ask it in the form of a statement uh, my listeners would already know it's (laughs) (laughs) Todd already feels. Um, So I, too, am a huge fan of Myers-Briggs because there's been so much – there's so much data associated with it. There are years and years and years and years of research and data and everything to back this up. Now, I have – so for a long time, I would not take the Enneagram just as – you know, it was a principle almost because everybody was, you know, it was becoming more hot, uh, Mm -hmm. hot topic. And, and, um, but finally I did end up, uh, coming over and taking the Enneagram and have studied it a little bit. I'm eight wing seven. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Enneagram and what are your thoughts on the Enneagram for church leaders? Gosh, this feels like a
2: political question. This one, I think, um, the thing, I'll, the thing I always say to people is a therapy is only as good as the therapist. So in some ways, if you're going to use the Enneagram, I would say the Enneagram is one of those ones which unlocks people pretty quickly and goes goes to the very core of our humanity. Mm. So I would say, find do it with someone who really knows what they're talking about. One of the great dangers of these tools are there are an awful lot of amateurs out there. I spend half my life on doing the amateur works of Myers-Briggs people, and I've seen Enneagram done badly as well, hmm. where it leaves people in a mess. So I think there is huge power in it. Um, I confess I've been partly diagnosed in different ways by different people. Am I a seven with a wing and an eight? Am I a three with a seven? I mean, so in some senses, it's not, it's not that I don't like it. And I know people who absolutely swear by it. But I think what that really means is someone's delivered it for them. who's world-class at what they do. So that, for me, would be the most important thing. I don't mind which assessment you use. Just find someone who's really competent at administering it, particularly when you're dealing with the Enneagram, with some, you know, the shadow sides of who people are. And I think you have a duty of care. It's more than a parlor game. I think that's probably why I like Myers-Briggs. Mm, yeah. In the same way that I challenge Fire OB, you can, people can get confused quite quickly. And that's the reason why, for me, I I chose another direction.
1: So that's that's a great that, that that's a really good point about the Enneagram, and I have seen some people talk about it as if uh, they've really pigeonholed themselves, and they're like, "No, you can't change," and or they're they're wallowing in their weaknesses. And and the reason I was a little bit reticent around the the Enneagram initially was because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm certified with StrengthsFinder, so I've that is like my default, uh-huh. how I coach, how I see the world, my number one theme is maximizer as well. so I mean it just kind of goes into the whole philosophy and framework around strengths finder and as an Enneagram wing four I've I'm like very much designed and my bent is toward achievement you know don't I don't I don't care I mean rest, restorative and strengths finder is my 34th theme. So it's like, don't talk to me about my weaknesses. Don't talk to me about my motivations. I'm going to push that all down and I'm going to go and achieve. Yet when I read the Enneagram, it was just so striking because it just hit me to the core. And I was like, you know what? Mm. I do have these that that's really good. But I think there is a danger if you just stay there.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, I listened to the guy who taught it. Who's the guru on it? The Catholic sort of, um, what's his name? Oh, Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr. So when I listen yeah. to Richard Rohr, it's amazing. I love it.
1: Hmm. But
2: it's, I think for me, is it's the consistency of who's teaching it. Yeah. And that is in some senses, Enneagram seems to me to be something that really requires a level of expertise. And I would probably suggest for the church a spiritual maturity in knowing how to handle that process more than I'd probably have less of an issue with strength finders because in some ways it, it's, it doesn't go, it's very profound in its application, mm. but in me it, it's dealing at a, at a level which allows you to go deeper in the coaching relationship over time yeah. in the same way I believe Price Briggs does as well.
0: Well, the other thing too, Daniel wouldn't say this, but I'll say it. I mean, you know, you're certified by Gallup, Daniel. Yeah. So there's a difference between that and, the enneagram right now, one of the problems I do see that yeah. you've already pointed out uh, is that there are a lot of people who, you know, <laughs> yes, will maybe take a course, pay some money, and get a three-ring binder <laughs> and hang their shingle. <laughs>
2: yes, there you go. There and then, you go. And then so it's, it's, it's a measure of how good of a marketer they are.
0: <laughs> it's totally true.
2: And uh, I often say a, li- a little knowledge is always more dangerous than no knowledge. <laughs> yes. And, uh, And let's just say, if I'm going to be disparaging, it might be about one group that's listening, is let's just say the ENFP and the ENTP are particularly prone at taking a small amount of knowledge and trying to make it go an awful long way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So Steve, uh, I mean, you created the five voices assessments. So, I mean, how do you... I mean, Todd and I have talked about creating Mm -hmm. things like assessments and we're just like, how do you even go about creating a good a good assessment of any type
2: well uh, i guess the question is you said we were going to geek out a little bit so yeah. basically I'll, I'll, I'll so if you think about it that the reason why we why i did was because having become a true jedi master in union type and miles briggs and i promise you you know my dark magic is is pretty good on that stuff and people will say so the reality was though it required an expert to be in the room to make it work so mm. The amount of people who said to me, "Oh yeah, we did that. We did that in our work, or we did that in our church." We and I go, "Well, so what's your best fit?" Just a test, and they go, "I'm a E, e something. I don't know Q, P, or something." And <laughs> and you go, "Well, that may not be." And then they go, "But I've got a wing in a three, and I'm an optimizer as well." So <laughs> <laughs> so you kind of go, "Ah." Oh, Good. Okay. Well, that's had a deeply profound impact. And I'm tempted to ask well, how much did it how much did it cost to roll this out across the company when you did it? Wow. So I think one of the problems is is that certain instruments are amazing when you have somebody there who can translate it for you. So it's a great model for coaching retainers because the last thing you ever want to do is give away the secrets of, you know, how how the wizard of oz works. But I, we found in Giant, we said that basically if we were going we to build things that were simple enough that an educated 13-year-old can understand, use, and teach their friends. My educated 13-year-old, Isabel, came to me and said, Dad, you know you keep going on about Giant stuff is always an educated 13-year-old can understand it, you teach their friends. She said, well, I'm an ENFP, she said. I can understand it. I love the fact we can use it in the way you're discipling me and the way I engage the world but I can't teach it to my friends. It's too complicated.
1: Wow.
2: You know, one of those horrible moments when you realize that actually your educated 13-year-old is using your own um, expertise to basically <laughs> basically shine a light on the fact you're you're not telling the truth. And I went away and just thought, no, you're right. And so therefore, I know I'm answering a couple of questions here, but the principle was simply this, is to go, could we take the power And the incredible depth of insight and self-awareness and emotional intelligence that we'd learned how to mine out with Myers-Briggs and Mimian type. But could we develop a way that people could harness that same depth and power, Mm. but where they could actually understand it and they could teach it to their friends, they could multiply it without the need for expensive consultants. So. That was the premise. Well, then the question is, how do you go about creating an assessment? Well, assessment is always more limited than the person who creates it would like you to believe. Because fundamentally, any assessment, and I know some of my Hogan friends will argue, but you know, for another day, is an assessment from my perspective gives you a snapshot in the moment of how someone is choosing to behave as a leader or whatever it is they're doing. And that behavior is made up of a complex mix of what I would call their nature, their nurture, and choice. Nature, I would believe, is almost that God-given core identity personality that in Jungian type doesn't change. Mm. And I believe that. Nurture, however, are the external influences that shape why you choose to behave the way you do, culture, gender, upbringing, successes, failures, faith, you know all those things shape the way that we behave, many of which at an unconscious level. And then lastly, we all have choice. There's a free will element that, you know, just because we were dropped on our head as children doesn't mean we have to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. So when people take an assessment, I think the first thing you have to own is the fact that I would say to people, what you test isn't a definition of nature. It is a snapshot of the leadership behaviors you currently are exhibiting to okay. the world. Does
1: okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's very good.
2: So um, so th- from that premise, what I did was go, well, I love um, type dynamics in Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. and predictive leadership behaviors that come with that. Basically, what I did was I took the function pairs for Myers-Briggs, created five archetypes of SF, ST, NF, NT... Um, and actually created a hypothesis based on type dynamics that could I predict the voice order Hmm. from type dynamics of Myers-Briggs? And the answer was the theory um, began to work in practice um, and actually was incredibly accurate. And over the last five, well, four years where we've been working on it, we've amended the odd one or two to reflect actually what we experience in reality but actually we've been able to translate 16 types into 16 voice orders where each of the five voices actually all contribute to what's going on so a good assessment gets to nature more often than not so i always say my rule of thumb is if you take the five voice assessment which i hope you all will at some point thanks to you guys who've done it i would my hope is and my aim is that 80% of the time What comes out as the assessed type is actually your nature. I reckon at the moment I'm up to 90% on the people who've written to me, but there is still always an element of people for whom nurture plays a much bigger part than nature. And sometimes that's because of pain in the past. Sometimes that's because growing up, being who we are naturally wasn't affirmed. And those are the things that you really need somebody to help you unpack, to ask good questions. And that's a skill set beyond i believe the capability of any assessment alone
1: okay okay so um i mean we'll we'll get into how teams can use this assessment and uh, a little bit more into all that but i'm just curious here so i'm looking at my results uh i took it a couple weeks ago and my i got five my five voice orders so are are there only five voices i guess and everyone gets them in different orders
2: Correct.
1: Okay. So uh, this will be fun. You know, my order, my first one is pioneer and my second is creative. Uh, what yep. can you tell? What, what, what do you know about me just because of those two? <laughs> like, um, What does that say?
2: A huge amount more than you would like. Okay. <laughs> on the, on the grounds that basically um, I know what your strengths will be. I know what your weaknesses will be. I know what happens under moderate stress i know what happens under extreme stress i know how if i was your enemy i'd try and take you out i'd know what your influence issues would be in the way you engage with people i'd know what the communication challenges would be um and i'd be able to predict basically um how relationships would work in your life if you are accidental or if you're intentional so not a lot really
1: Okay, I was going to ask you to I'm elaborate, but I don't want you to elaborate. I'm pioneering connectors. So.
2: <laughs> okay, so pioneer, pioneer. I mean, you know, if you want the, I, I mean, I can predict. So pioneer connector would be pioneer connector, creative guardian nurturer. That would be right. So, yep. um, so if you wanted, I mean, the pioneer connector in is the is the equivalent of the ENTP. So basically, I do have what massive J in,
0: tendencies, and I'm on the cusp of J.
2: <laughs> I was an executive <laughs> every pastor. Every I really want to be a every, J. I know you do. <laughs> every every P I know, every I, I suffer the same curse. By the way, so don't worry. Every J knows they're a J, and every P thinks they could probably get away <laughs> as a J. But basically, what they find is they usually want praise for doing J behavior. And they usually want public affirmation when they're doing it. And you'll find that though they can discipline areas of their work life or particularly for the Pioneer Connector, anything they want to excel at, they can. But I guarantee there are areas of their life that lack discipline because they cannot do it everywhere. You will usually find, you know, Pioneer Connector, you always tell the difference between the Pioneer Connector and the Pioneer Creative is Pioneer creatives are usually a lot more thinner. <laughs> they're a lot more disciplined. Most pioneer connect to life is a buffet. And the more they can engage and explore the world around them, the, the happier they are. So they're slightly more charming, though, which means they think they get away with it a lot more often.
0: <laughs> I could see how Todd would be more charming than me. <laughs> no, Daniel's Canadian, though. So...
2: It's my smile. I
0: got a good smile going you, on. You do yeah. have a
2: good smile going on. The difference is Daniel will have connectors as his third voice, yes. which means when he wants to connect, he can, Yeah, but he'll only be connecting very specific strategic people to what it is he believes needs to change in the world. And they'll usually be equally as intelligent as he is and highly strategic and relationally not needy. Fascinating. Yeah, this you're definitely not a poser.
0: I'm. I Yes. This is very, very interesting. Todd You're-
2: needs you to know how brilliant his ideas are. Daniel just knows they're brilliant, and, brilliant. <laughs> and there's just a, there'll be a few people in the world who are deemed worthy enough to try and understand the genius of his strategic thinking. Whereas Todd will usually want to tell the world and need affirmation that his <laughs> ideas really are brilliant. How much do we owe you?
0: Oh, this is awesome! Keep going, Steve.
1: Keep going. <laughs>
2: Well I'll tell you how Todd you know so so what you'll find is Todd under normal stress what happens is you become even more reactive you come up with more and more ideas you become even more chaotic usually under pressure or fear of failure and basically you'll find that you become less and less consistent as a leader and change your mind a lot quicker and then extreme stress is when you're basically done and that's basically when you go I don't really want to, I don't want to be around people at the moment I don't want to look at the future. I feel overwhelmed by future, usually failure in a task. And then there is that wonderful sensory escapism, which usually means like, how do I dull the pain? How do I remind myself that I don't want to deal with my future? So the sensory escapism for, for that is the classic. Um, alcohol, drugs, you know, pornography, sex, adventure, all of those things designed so that you hope no one will ever find out. So it's a bit like a, it's a very, it's quite a dangerous little personality, that one. We all have them. I developed a whole stuff on how screw tape and how I'd take you out. But basically I would overwhelm you with more opportunities than you could possibly deal with. I'd get you to a place of burnout and failure and then I'd present you with some temptation that you'd think as the gambler. I bet I could get away with this and nobody would know. So there you go. That's how how you would take Todd out? That's how I take Todd out, yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay, let's go into the next question. You don't need to address me. (laughs) No, let's do Daniel now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, go Uh, ahead. I I can already tell you. I can already tell you. um, My it's uh, I. I have a very. I have a problem with adventure for sure, and especially younger. You want to talk about um, like from a risk standpoint. Hmm. Mm -hmm. of jumping off of
2: things, of all that stuff. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think the thing is, the thing which for me has been so helpful is human behavior is more predictable than perhaps we would care to admit. Hmm. But often where we've used it in different contexts. If you knew, Todd, I knew where you were likely to go wrong and I asked you the right questions and you knew I was going to ask you those questions, that level of accountability will usually be enough to stop you thinking you'd get away with it. So being able to understand the people we do life with, people in our teams, people, you know, people are spouses or friends, sometimes just simply knowing what accountability looks like. What are the danger signs? What are the things that basically, you know, when I watch you, Todd, unable to switch off, when I watch you basically constantly stuck in work and problem solving and, more reactive, then I know that I, as a friend, have a duty of care because that's showing me that you're heading in a place where eventually you're going to burn out if you're not careful. So just knowing that doesn't make it a weakness. It makes it part of what it means to be fully human. And you know, I'm not going to claim... I love the way that basically we've been able to map things like DNA over the last few years. I think one of the next frontiers is just simply the exploration of the brain, why people behave the way they do. And from my perspective, all I'm doing is, I'm being a bit of a mad scientist who's trying to discover how on the earth did God create the world he did? Hmm. I mean, it's incredible, but there are laws and there are principles which allow us to have a degree of predictability in most of nature. And I think personality is one of those areas which is hard to prove, because it's a relatively new discipline. But I think when people actually realize it makes sense, they're then able to use
0: it. So I hope that's helpful. It is. Okay. I got more questions about me <laughs> really good. quickly. Um, so people that listen to podcasts will also know, like I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't do movies. I don't do any, I, I talked about probably the last two years trying to find a new gear. So every, at each <laughs> stage of my life, I've been able to get rid of something or make some kind of switch where I can find a new gear. I'm mm-hmm. I'm now 43. And mm-hmm. the thing that I've been obsessed with for the last 2 years is is like find, like how do I find a new gear? Which does Daniel will will know this and people that listen closely to the podcast will know this. Like I've started new podcasts, new ventures like new like I can't stop. Like I, I, I really, you're right. I I can't stop. Uh, luckily, so Todd, those he, things are more positive <laughs> at the moment than negative, but they are
2: negative, probably to my to my family. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um, go any further. All I'll say is that we have a mutual friend that I'm sure has been on the podcast, with Brad Lominick And uh, one of the things I do, Todd, is. Often you find is when pioneers, pioneers without clarity of vision and the life calling often end up going around blowing things up and changing an awful lot. So sometimes actually the discipline of, of taking time to actually really go, you know, I'm for, you're 43, you're probably about halfway. What have you learned so far? And I would say to people, if I removed all of the barriers that you feel are prohibitions to you doing whatever you want to do in your future, what would you most love to do with the life that's next? and actually unpack what that's like and actually build ways of getting to that place. Because in some senses, the way you're wired, there are certain things which will be incredibly life-giving and the be other things that are hard. So here's, here's an offer to live online, so I'm, I'm accountable for this. If, if you are brave enough to come over to London and spend a couple of days with me and really want to sit on the couch, I'll help you unload what do you really want to do with the rest of your life. I love doing that. It's one of my favorite things in the world. So there you go, if you can get to London, you can have two days, come and stay with me, come and stay with the family, and uh, we'll go through the process. Some are easier to do than others. Brad took four days to help him find what he was <laughs> supposed to do.
1: Oh, so did Brad, <laughs> Is so after Cat- after he stepped away from Catalyst, Is, is are you the one yeah. he met oh, So in
2: London? Yes. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, so basically, he says I was the one who killed Catalyst Brad, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's in his book, so yeah. I, I'm in there. He came over and spent four days, and you know we've become fast friends in that process. So okay. I don't offer it very often, Todd, but um, every now and again I say, to "Someone, if you really want to do it, come on over, um, and we'll, we'll we'll do." That's kind of the that's probably the the, the deepest I would say exploration of how I use these things. I'm always asking people, "Who are you really? What would you most love to do with the life that you've been given?" And how do we help you live into that identity and calling? So there you go. All right, it's yours, Todd. If you want it, that's awesome.
1: That's fantastic.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe over. Just
0: yeah. (laughs) All right, we should probably move forward. Yes, because Daniel doesn't want you to go through the same process with him.
1: With our thousands of listeners, so fair. yes, <laughs> I know <laughs> it was a public counseling <laughs> session right there.
0: That's that's a dangerous place for me to be, but I don't care. Uh,
1: okay, no, please, I give me a little bit, <laughs> and then we'll go on to our. We'll skip the fourth question. We'll go to the last one.
2: <laughs> so I think the thing is that for the pioneer creative, you usually come out top of all the IQ scores, and there usually is a incredible brain in there that is able to process incredible amounts of information and shape and vision of the future. They're, they're massively overrepresented as the CEOs in corporate world. The challenge I always give to them is to go, people people know how competent you are, but do they really know you care? So sometimes the, the, the poker player means it's quite hard for people to really know how they connect and relate to you. So in some ways, people are often in awe of your intellect but they often wish that you'd let them in just a little bit more so that they could actually see you as the human being rather than the human genius that often tends to be the thing that gets portrayed to the world. Any of that sound familiar, Daniel? <laughs> That's
1: yeah, I, d- I definitely do have challenges letting people in. Yeah, I'm like That's Christina, yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey Christina, you know, you're enough, my wife. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, Do I do I need any other best friends? <laughs> Because there is that vulnerability to it. And I'd rather I'd rather just go straight to the work.
2: Absolutely. And I think the other thing is then if you apply it in a team dynamic, again, sometimes you'll think that you've invited your team in to collaborate with you because in theory you've collected all the data from what they've said, but they just weren't aware you were doing it. So sometimes mm-hmm. you come back with brilliant answers and everyone goes like, Daniel, that's awesome. But, you know, it would have been great if we could have been part of that process because we could have owned it a lot more. And you'll go, well, guys, of course you were part of the process. But it's the intentionality of allowing people like the Todds, who need to talk out loud a lot more than you would want them to, (laughs) um, to actually feel included in the shaping and the dreaming of the vision rather than actually simply be given, this is the answer, guys. Um, Thank you for all your help in getting us there. So that bit about allowing people in relationing, but I would also say allowing people into the visioning process in a way where they feel they've really been part of it with you, rather than what you think you've done, is when you think you've included people, they weren't aware that that was what was happening.
1: Wow, that's really good. That's that's a fantastic takeaway. Wow, well, if I you know I was I was excited about doing this interview beforehand, uh, but I think what you've done here. In just the quick explanation of, of Todd and Todd and me is, is given us a really good picture as to how usable this can be within team settings. So um, before we get to that question, we'll just hear a quick word from our sponsor.
0: You know, training your leaders and volunteers is really important. But do you ever feel like you just don't know where to start? Well, that's why LifeWay Leadership developed Ministry Grid with Ministry Grid's library of over three thousand training videos. The work has been done for you and you'll be able to train everyone in your entire church. And this training, it's training you can trust. Each ministry good video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are right now. You can also customize that training by adding videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and much, much more. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price, which gives you an unlimited access to train your entire church. So just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com.
1: All right, Steve. So you've given our listeners a little bit of a a glimpse into how they can use this as a team. Uh, Why don't you bring us home and and share how teams are using this and, and what advice you'd give for teams and for leaders listening in?
2: Yeah, no, thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I think that the the most important thing is a statistic for me, which says that in the average team, 82% of people rarely feel heard, truly feel valued, or as if their contribution really matters. And most statistics are made up, this one actually isn't. So in the five voices, or the, what we call the five foundational voices, because I've shown you guys that there's a huge difference between the pioneer creative and the pioneer connector. Mm-hmm. So you see how they play together. But fundamentally, is a foundational voice. It's the one that shapes how all the others are heard. So the nurturer is the champion of people, relationships, relational harmony. The creative is the champion of future ideation, you know, conceptual reality, social conscience. Mm. The guardian is the champion of truth, due diligence rigorous decision making and stewardship of resources the connector is the champion of relational networks internal external communication and basically that ability to connect the to the, with the external world and message accordingly and the pioneer really is the champion of strategic vision winning and the ability to align people systems and resources to deliver um, outrageous goals mm. so there's so much more I could say, and I'll, I'll give you some resource in the end, but fundamentally what we found was that nurturers, creatives, and guardians that make up 82% of the population, so nurturer 43%, 43% of people struggle to believe that their opinion is, is as valued as other people, Wow! and they're, they're amazing. Everyone else sees them as highly skilled professionals, incredibly loyal team players, Um, just the most incredible relational oil inside teams and environments, the most self-giving, the most empathetic, the most caring, um, truly amazing people. But they dislike relational conflict. And if if someone shoots their idea down, they interpret it as very, very personal. Hmm. So you've got 43% of people with that voice as their number one. And unless the rest of the team understand and value what they bring, they will never bring their best to the usual competitive nature of the average team discussion and brainstorm. So we talk about things like, nurturers always go first in team contribution. Because if if someone's putting a strong opinion down, like a pioneer voice, um, and said, here's my idea, it's brilliant, who disagrees? Hmm. You'll very rarely find the nurturer will challenge in public someone else's opinion. And so therefore, silence appears like agreement, but in reality it isn't. Yeah. So the creative sees the future and probably strategically right now is one of the most valuable voices in any team or organization. They think outside the box. They're always looking beyond what is there. But the, the creative struggles with communication because <laughs> what they what they say is very rarely what they mean. And they deal with this constant frustration is, why does nobody truly hear what it is I'm trying to say to the world? So they actually need the team to take responsibility for going. If the creative is speaking, they have something to say. It's just it will take probably two or three clarifying questions before it actually comes out um, the way they hoped it would. Hmm. And so therefore, again, you imagine that frustration of having someone to share, but people don't hear it. Most creatives know that. then the guardian, I think it's one of the hardest roles. 30% of people are guardian first voice. um, 70% of those are male, interestingly. Guardians often are the ones who see why the big dreamy ideas are not going to work, hmm. but they often, unless they're truly valued and appreciated, always feel that people don't want to hear what they've got to say. You're always pouring cold water on my great ideas. You're always bring us back to reality with a bump or telling us why things can't work. And fundamentally, I would say is if, if, you as a, if a team can truly harness the expertise and the incredible gifting, of each of those individuals the performance of teams goes to an incredibly new level so communication relationships and relational trust are the foundations for the highest performing teams and what we've been doing is really providing a vocabulary and language for families for teams for organizations that allow them i would say first of all to understand what they bring at their best but critically to be able to celebrate what others bring at their best And creating what we call things like rules of engagement where there's a voice order that people speak in in the team and every voice has its rule of engagement. So nurturers, we always say, you represent 43% of people. We need to hear what you're going to say. Hmm. And we promise not to critique what you've said immediately. (laughs) Hmm. Creatives, please think outside the box. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. And we promise to ask clarifying questions to get your best into the discussion. Guardians, please ask the difficult questions. We need you to do due diligence well, and we promise we'll stay engaged as long as we can with the questions. Connectors, sell it for all you're worth. Make us cry if you need to. Tell us why you believe it, but please know that when we critique it, it's not personal to you. It's the idea, but we'll be sensitive. And pioneers go last. And this is the massive R for me, boys. I'm a fellow pioneer. Hmm. Pioneers only realize how rarely they go last when they try to wait to hear everyone else's opinions. They're usually in such a hurry to make a decision to move on so they can achieve whatever it is they think they need to achieve. Pioneers, listen to every other voice first. And secondly, be aware of the power of your critique. Every voice carries weapon systems, so pioneers carry a grenade launcher. Um, it's not an indoor weapon, and when you shoot somebody down, they remember it forever, um, and everyone else does too. So. Just simple things like that, really, where we've created a vocabulary language, which is so simple, but profound, that people can actually, when I said in the beginning, it's visual, it's interactive, it's an immediate, practical application, and it's designed that educated 13-year-olds can use it, understand it, and teach it to their friends. And that, I would say, is the power of voices. They're all good, but in my experience, having taught many of them, This has been the one that's had the most profound, lasting impact. I went back to a a group in the Midlands that I worked with a year ago. A year on, every single one of them had their voice orders, 250 employees on their desks. Mm. They were talking to each other in the language of voices, and they were building teams based around trying to make sure that they actually at least understood where the gaps would be if certain voices and certain expertise weren't present in their world. So that's a very quick hope of you guys I'm, I'm i hope it does a little bit of justice on podcast no, is
1: great <laughs> this is fantastic it's you know we should uh we should have steve on regularly just so he could be our coach yeah. <laughs> get free coaching <laughs> here get free coaching
2: so, oh so, you said free oh sorry uh, uh, so, I'm so
1: steve what's the best way for teams to take this to learn yeah. more about it
2: well, I, I think we've got a, a number of free resources that we'd love to make available to the listeners. So if you go to five voices, so the number five, then voices.com backslash Lifeway Leadership. We've created one specifically for you and your listeners. And you can take the free assessment. So that will give you your voice order. And don't forget, I'm claiming 90% to nature. So we'll see how we go with there. Mm-hmm. It will also send you a link to a free workshop. So whereas I've taken like a couple of minutes to, probably cannibalize all of them you, you can actually listen to me teach them for about five seven minutes each and awesome. it'll give you a far deeper understanding of what each one was and you know for those that that's basically where i would suggest you go first so fivevoices.com backslash wife leadership i'm sure you boys could put it out with the podcast definitely this is a uh, there's a book but fundamentally all the resources you need are free and they're all basically at that web link i gave you
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Steve. We'll definitely have to have you back on the podcast.
2: I'd love to come guys. Honestly, this is, this is like, when I saw your questions, I'm thinking, gosh, this could be a couple of hours if they really sit (laughs) sit on the couch.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Steve.
2: Pleasure.
0: Wow. I did not expect Steve to lay that down. (laughs) So here's a little bit of backstory. And I almost told Steve this. Like we, we looked at the, I looked at the book. I'm always skeptical. Yeah. Uh, I didn't look at the book. I looked at the assessment because we had said, hey, let's have this guy on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the return was, uh, you know, well, we want to talk about this book or we want to talk about it. And he didn't even talk about his book. No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm going to take this assessment because assessments, you don't know. Uh, you just don't know anything about them. And yeah. so we both took the assessment. I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's have this going. Yeah, it was interesting enough. I wasn't totally sold. I still didn't after, know if it was a po- if he was a poser or not. And then about <laughs> uh, probably within a minute, I'm like, uh oh, no, this guy. This he legit. knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's totally legit.
1: Yeah. So, man, <laughs> we encourage you to go to fivevoices.com/slash/lifewayleadership to take right. it yourself. It's free. And uh, you know, on social media, shoot us your answers. Shoot us what you think about the episode. How you would take Todd down.
0: (laughs) Well, and the cool thing was afterward, he told me, he was like, hey, I'm a Pioneer connector, which is one of the reasons why I know you as well as I know you. I'm like, oh, this...
1: I may, I may be taking a trip to London now. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. So fivevoices.com slash lifewayleadership. And before we head off, we do want to encourage you to check out the Ask Me Anything podcast with J.D. Greer and Todd Unziker. They are a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family and have covered a ton of great topics recently. So just look up Ask Me Anything on your favorite podcasting app and get started today.